On February 1st, 2018, I was sitting around doing absolutely nothing, looked at myself in the mirror and thought that I had received a revelation from the Lord. And as most revelations that I get and pretty much some of you in this room get, I decided to put that on social media. So I was sitting there and watching, the, watching around and I said, it was a wife approved post because sometimes I put things up and my wife won't improve it. And I said, I've received a word from the Lord. And after some prayer and consideration, I would like to announce my new career as a model and part-time pastor. The word of the Lord came to my wife in a dream and has revealed to her my new name. From this day forward, I shall go by the, day, uh, by the name Pastor, uh, I shall go by the name Spiritual Chocolate. Going forward, please refer to me as Pastor Chocolate or Spiritual Chocolate if you see me in church. The Lord also told me to get a dance lessons and be ready for rainfall in the next season. Not quite sure what the Lord meant with this, but I'm his humble servant. Marcus ran off and I said, this is just a joke, hashtag this is a joke. And I did that because I was looking in the mirror, like noticing that I had been about 21 months away from two years of losing some weight and looking all good. And I thought, hey, I was pretty funny. I put a revelation up and, you know, thought I'd get a good laugh. And then, well, you know, I made the mistake of looking for feedback on the comments. And somebody real particular, like, decided they wanted to comment, oh, hate herself. And that was my twin brother. <laughs> because, you know, brothers have a way of putting you in your place. They got a way of just, like, certain, certain things to you. And he goes, shout out to Marcus Xavier Allen Randolph, because that's my full name, for his health achievements and losing over 105 pounds in, in this testament. You, uh, it's a testament to your discipline. But I will be explicative word wearing a MAGA hat if you want me to refer to you as Pastor Spiritual Chocolate. If you don't take your no-carb-eating, wearing T-shirts, two sizes, too small, jeans, looking like yoga pants, wearing air food, wearing your air food on a scale, looking like you get your clothes from a European consignment store dedicated to male models past their prime self, go somewhere with that bowl and sit down at the bench until you get your muscle head and ego in check. <laughs> Wait, no, that was my brother, guys. It's not all that bad. <laughs> like, but it made me think, like, yeah, that's what brothers are supposed to do. That's what your family does. They kind of keep you in check, and I just couldn't help but to think, man, the shade he just threw at me, because I thought I felt great in that moment. And, uh, well, apparently he just didn't. But then I started realizing that that's the way it goes on social media, and sometimes that's the way what happens. You get all sorts of shade. And as I was reading the text this week, as I was reading the text this week, and uh, we started going into Deuteronomy 9, and I started reading it. And at first, I was reading it, trying to get that revelation from God that, like, wow, all right, I hope to be like Pastor Kevin and, and Danielle and, and O'Mary and everybody because they've got all these, like, degrees and they look at all the Word. I'm like, okay, I hope to get this revelation. And I had all sorts of commentary open and everything, and I just read the text, like, 15 times. And I kept thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, like, it feels like I hear it. Hear, O Israel. Okay, yes. Go, Israel, go. You know, do what God says. Hear, O Israel. And then, well, God does this thing, and he goes, okay, hear, O Israel. You are now about to cross the Jordan into, uh, hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan into the dispossessed nations greater and stronger than you. Cities that have wall skills, uh, cities that have walls up to the sky. These people are strong and tall Anakites. You know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you, 
like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them as quickly as the Lord has promised you. So I'm feeling good reading that text. And then I read the next couple of verses. It is after the Lord your God has driven them out before you. Do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it's on the account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drove them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness, integrity, that you're going into the land to take possessions. But on the account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then he hits it home. Understand this, that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God has given you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. Then I kept reading the text. It keeps going on like this. And I'm like, it's like this, these highs of God saying, hey, you're going to do this, but remember this. And I couldn't help but to think, it's like, wow, God is throwing shade. Like, why does he keep throwing shade? And for those of you who are not familiar with the term throwing shade, I'm going to do this real quick. Throwing shade. (laughs) To say a rude comment or slick comment towards another person with little or, or, or no one else catching the insult except the ones who is directed towards. So I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my goodness, why is Moses doing this? Why is the writer of Deuteronomy doing this? Like, what's going on in this text? And after, like, reading a a little bit of commentary, I began to understand what had occurred. One which was, is that why was Moses, but why all the shade? Moses, like, because I I had to do that. I even texted Kevin and Danielle this week, like, like, why is he throwing this much shade? And after, you know, reading the text, I realized that it was a new generation from the exit generation. And... Like, you don't know kind of what version of, of the story that they had received from the previous generation. And, like, Moses was old, and, you know, this is like right before the Israelites are about to go take the land. So he remembers the serious consequences. And it made me think of something, like, you know, as somebody who's been in youth ministry and, and, and been a pastor for, for a little bit, like, you've got kids. And, and if you've got kids, they're going to be teenagers and stuff like that. And I don't know what happens, but... Sometimes we as adults, I don't have children myself, but we like to edit when we were kids. It's not that we weren't there when we, we were like, we weren't kids five or six, 12 or 13. We may have gone through some of the same things that they have gone through, but it gets a little watered down. It gets a little lost. And then sometimes your parents do, like sometimes kids do like what we would do. And we would go ask our aunts and our grandparents about what really happened in this particular incident. And they give you a whole different version of what happens. They give you like that unadulterated, like real truth, you know. And and so I think that Moses was concerned, like, you know, I don't know what your parents told you, but I was there with him. And I need you guys to understand that as you guys are going into this land or whatever, the seriousness of what occurred. So I'm not going to tell you like what what happened. I'm not going to tell you like he, he just was very direct about it. He said, hey, look. Because of, uh, he's like, you know, we were at the mall. I mean, not at the mall. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking about the mall. <laughs> he's like, we were at the mountain at Moriah. 
I'm up there with Jesus. I mean, I'm up there with God, right? And I'm up there. We just came out the land, and, and I'm up there with God 40 days and 40 nights. He had just given them the law, law. We're 49 days removed from the Exodus. I mean, the plagues and everything. We didn't walk through the water, you know, because he's probably like an older, older, older man. And he's like, we didn't walk the water. We saw Pharaoh's armies come down, and, and it was great, and there was worshiping, and we were dancing in the desert. We got to the mountain. I went up there, and I told them people I was going to go up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and God had given them the revelation and the law, and I went up for 40 days, and I, and I went up for 40 nights, and I'm there hanging out with God, and everything was cool, but, but, but you know, he's probably like an old man talking to him, and then one day, he says, like, I get this word, and he's like, hey, hey, uh, go down there and get your people, and he says, go down there and, and get your people, go down there and get your people, because they've fallen away from me, they, they've left they, they've turned away. And, you know, like Moses is like, wait, hold on. How are they going to turn away? We was just there like 40 days ago. I just, you know, like, like I was there and we were there and, and 40 days. What do you mean that they've turned away? And as the story goes, um, you know, Moses walks down. He had received some of the tablets of what had occurred. And he walks down and he sees something like really, really bad. And keep in mind, like 50 days prior, they had just got the, the, the commandments to not like commit adultery, the Ten Commandments. If you're not familiar with them, you should go ahead and go read them. And he sees like this image, this cow there. And, and then he sees like Aaron kind of like, what's going on? And, and I'm pretty sure Moses is shocked. And he sees the people who had just experienced this kind of like great, great victory. Well, they're, they're, they've, they've completely like forgot and, and, and like forgot about God. At least it appears to Moses at that. Then he gets upset and he throws everything down and he grinds up the, uh, uh, the golden calf in issue. And he talks to, to Aaron's like, Aaron, how could you let this happen? And Aaron's like, I, I don't know, dude. Like, I mean, they was coming at me. And then like, I just told him to throw in the, the jewelry into the fire and this cow came out. And I, I don't know, Moses, you know how these people are. And then and, and then, like, you know, so he gets in there and grinds it up, but it, it just kept going. And he talks about what happens at Meribah, the place of fire. Uh, talks about what happens at Meribah, the place of fire. And, I mean, it had to have been rough because, you know, Moses, his sister, was like, hey, I don't understand why God is talking to you. You know, like, he can't talk to somebody else. And then, like, Moses is like, oh, my gosh, no. And then she gets struck with leprosy. And then Aaron, he gets something that happens to him. So I imagine that Moses is really, really, really concerned as they're about to go into the land that the Lord, that the Lord, their God is going to give them. Cause he's like, I don't know what they told you. I don't know if they lighten this story up, but it's really, really serious. And he reminds them like, Hey, while we were out in the wilderness, we, there was manna. Like you, you guys, while you're out there, you guys are a different generation. You grow up and there was just manna on the ground. Then there was quail and you didn't have to like worry about some of the things that you're going to have to worry about as you go into the land. And then he reminds them again and says that, Hey, look, even before that, cause you know, he's like an older man. He's really, really really concerned because you know how you guys parents get concerned you know some of your kids are going to go to high school and you know how rough high school was some of you guys know your parents are you know your kids are going to go to middle school and you know I love being a middle school pastor but you know middle schoolers can be a little rough and he's a little concerned and so he's concerned and he talks about how um you know were we Maribah? Okay. <laughs> and he talks about like hey before you guys went in, in there and and as he's talking and he's really, really concerned and he's like, 
It's really, really rough. It's really, really bad. But remember, the Lord your God, he's with you. And I imagine what occurs is, is that Moses was just really, really concerned because of the things that had happened before about, where they were, uh, about where, what happened before and where they were going. So when we look at the shade, we look at the reason why he was doing it. He was, one, talking to a whole different generation. And two, I believe that he was doing it because he was concerned. As like a, a parent, as someone who knew he wasn't going to go into their next generation with them. So as he was concerned, and it was like kind of this before and after, because he understood and knew the seriousness of why he needed to tell them that. And then as the structure of the scriptures go, because he's kind of in this beginning, and we'll probably get into it later on, he gives them about 625 more things to remember as they're there. And then he all sums up the book beautifully with, hey, look, just in case you forget all 625 things and the other 20 I told you before, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God. And we all know, well, we here at Spark know, like, hear, O Israel means, hey, listen and respond. And he's saying, listen and respond before you go into the land. And I believe this is just good old-fashioned. We got to pay attention to some of the shade that he was talking about. Because sometimes we, well, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to forget where I came from. I think that's why God gave us siblings and parents. I think that God gives the siblings and parents because they remind you of who you were before you got to be and who you are. Like, and then like later on, you think that you're like really awesome and you get married and you've got this spouse and you look at yourself all the time and you're like, yes, I'm wonderful. I'm great. I love me some me. And like you're, and you might go to work or you might go someplace where you were respected, which is totally awesome. But I believe your spouses are there to keep you in check because they're like your biggest advocate. And my wife will tell me all the time, like, hey, you know you look good now, but you know, don't, don't get too twisted. Don't get it big-headed because my wife likes to remind me sometimes because she's like really cool that her loving me is a long-suffering act. You know, she puts up with me. Like she puts it like, I, if you don't know me, if you've known me for years, I, I got an ego. Like I love me some me. Like I will tell you like my favorite person is me. I'm glad that I have a twin because I have someone who looks like me and then I get to like, you know, it just, I'm, I'm wonderful. And I, I, if you don't think you're wonderful, like, hey, I'm sorry about that. But like, hey, you need to think you're wonderful. God, he, look, we are fearfully and wonderfully created. You need to know that you're wonderful. And I'm really glad that God made me wonderful. And I hope that you know that God made you wonderful. Like, look into the mirror one day and be like, you know what, Jesus? I am wonderful. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, that's right. You know, because, you know, sometimes I like the Joel Osteen type preachers and stuff like that. And the reason why you want to do that is because God is, he's brought you from some places. I mean, let's be real. We have before and after. Like some of us, we forget, like, you know, I grew up like lower middle class and, and poor. So like there was a time in my life when we were on um, welfare. And, you know, so I, I don't forget and, and never forget that, like, what it's like to be on government assistance. Some of us, you know, didn't have to get jobs. And some of us, we, we you know, I mean, let's be real. There's before and afters. We understand before and afters. Like some of y'all really, really love that really kind of popular food chain, that, that Mexican-themed, mexican grill food chain chance. But before that, you all know. Before that was Chipotle, you know Taco Bell treated you wonderful. You know before you had two, three dollars in your pocket, you could go to Taco Bell and be treated like a king. You know, like you knew darn well that Taco Bell treated you great. They treated you wonderfully, but, but, but four. But 
we also know that before you had uh, Chipotle money, Taco Bell wasn't necessarily the greatest for you. You know, and I imagine that that's what Moses was trying to tell the, the children of Israel. He was trying to tell the next generation that, hey, bef- you're before, I know where you're going, and, and you look great, and you're going into this land, you're inheriting it, and there's going to be some things that look impossible that you have already overcome, but before you got there, there was a before. And some of us need to not forget our befores. Let's just be honest. Some of us, before we were the sophisticated people we are to our spouse, before we were the people that we were, the, uh, the people we are now, let's, let's keep it 100. Some of us had some jealous tendencies. You know darn well you was a jealous human being. I mean, jealous human being. You may have had that boyfriend or, or girlfriend, and you just maybe a little insecurity hit you. And they will be, and you know, you had to call them on the phone or text them and text them all the time, like, where are you? Where are you at? And if you called them, you know, you had to call and check, verify them. You know, they, they were probably good, God-fearing people too. They was like, hey, you know, you probably called them and saw some location on their phone and they was at church. And you just, maybe you were hurt in the past, you didn't understand it. You weren't secure like you were now. And so that person picked up the phone and you was like, where are you? And they were like, I'm at church. And you was like, put Jesus on the phone. And they was like, what? Wait, hold on for a second. You know, just because you were insecure like that, but you've grown. You're mature. You're no longer that person because you trust them and you've dealt with those issues. And I imagine Moses was like, hey, but don't forget your issues. Don't forget, like, where you came from. And he's saying, like, don't forget that you were once a land, cap- like you were once captured in slavery, and you spent 400 years there. Don't forget that, like, when you cried out, that God responded, and he delivered you, he delivered you from it. And, and he's probably saying, remember all the miracles. Remember, like, how people are hearing about you. And he's like, remember all that. But he's also saying, don't forget that, We got this wilderness period, too. Now, I like to believe that the wilderness period makes people tough, but the more and more I look at the text, the more and more I look at it, I'm like, whoa, man, God was really, really, really patient. Really patient. I mean, really patient, because he would, like, really lay things out. Top of the mountain, talk to Moses. Like, they, like the people were there. They saw the smoke and fire on the Moses. In fact, they got up, and according to the text, like, fire by day, pillar of cloud by night, you're like, oh, my gosh, you saw God amongst you. In fact, it says that, like, there's laws written in there. Like, God, rap, like, who walked with them so much? Did you know that, like, in the Bible that you had to, like, you know, poop in certain areas because God walked among them because you didn't want God to, like, step on, you know, like, this makes sense, obviously, you know, like, cause that's what happened in the text. Like, he was there. And so God was among them, but yet it would feel like, yeah, we'd forget. And I know for a fact that's what it's like. And, and I don't know about you, but, like, have you ever had that, like, goal that, that you get excited about something? Maybe it's school. Maybe a fitness goal. Maybe it's I'm going to read the Bible within a year or whatever it is like that. You get charged up. You get amped. And you get amped. And you're like there. And you like start reading. And you're reading. And you get somewhere into the names of Genesis. In the, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. But you start getting the names and all sorts of begats. And this person had this person. And this person had this person. And then like your spiritual AD. D and ADHD kind of kicks in 
And you're like, well, God, why do you begat that person? And what do you mean by this? And oh my gosh, Lot did what with his daughters? And oh, you know, and then you, and it's hard to kind of finish the text there. And you stop and you miss a day and then you like feel bad and you're like, ugh. And then you like start talking bad about yourself. Like, oh my gosh, I'm the most horrible person in the world. I said to Jesus as my New Year's resolution that I was going to read the Bible this year. I didn't even get to Genesis. And you just like kind of stop and fall out, you know. Or maybe you had that fitness goal. You was like, all right, here it is, New Year's resolution. This year, I'm going to stop eating sugar after Valentine's Day because, you know, like there's still some time between New Year's and Valentine's Day. And you set that goal. February 15th is your day. I'm not going to eat sugar anymore. And then you go to Target and they have that sale, like, because you know that sale where it's like really, really cheap or after Valentine's Day. So you go to Target and you're like, oh, well, I maybe should get this for next year. But for whatever reason or another, it doesn't make it. <laughs> to, <laughs> it doesn't even make it to the house. You're like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, Jesus, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and one day, you, you get the fortitude, you get the discipline, you, you, you begin to put some things together. And you like go to church one day and you go to garden to garden. And you've got these wonderful pastors like Pastor Danielle and, and Pastor Kevin, and they give you cultural context and everything. And now you're feeling awesome, and you're walking through the text, and you're like, yes. And you finish it, and you're at Revelations, and you're like, wow. And, and then you get the cultural context, and you're like, yes. And, you know, you start coming to Spark, and you start deconstructing your evangelicalism. And you're like, ha-ha, yeah. You know, like, you know, you, you, you know, I don't know about you, but this church makes me feel sometimes like I'm on a whole different spiritual level. I'll just walk in and look at somebody's face. Facebook post, or I'll listen to a conservative radio station. Be like, nope, that's not what it means. Ha <laughs> ha, yes, because like, you know, you got to love this church. It makes you think about that. But then I, I have to remember, I used to be where they were. I used to actually have that literal interpretation. And I, and I, I can very much empathize and understand like, like when you get amped up and when you get fired up that you can very much like forget that you used to be in a certain place. See, for a person who's like, I've, I've lost like a lot of weight. And so for those who don't know, I used to be 314 pounds and now I weigh like significantly less than that. So I got a before and after picture. But I tell people all the time that I'm not necessarily above 314 pounds. Meaning that I know that, that where I was and how I felt, and there was that catalyst moment but I'm not above like some of the activities I used to do to, to be there again. And I imagine that like I have to pay attention to the shade sometimes because right when you're about to get ahead of yourself, right when you think that, hey, I've got this, sometimes you need a couple things to kind of knock you down. And maybe it's your wife or your spouse. Maybe it's your kids because I feel like kids have a way of doing that. Like they just, like I watched my nephew a couple weeks ago for two weeks and he's like my twin brother's, he is my twin brother's son. And I swear it was like watching my six-year-old self. I was like, oh, gosh, like, how did my mom not kick me in the face? You know, like, like not, not, I mean, you know, I just, because, like, and it was three of us. Like, you know, it was three of us, like, around. And my mom was a single mom. And I was like, I, I, you know, God bless, bless my mom. And, and for you parents who do this by yourself 
all the time. God bless you. Like, you can't quit. They keep eating. Like, I mean, I mean they, like, they want to keep eating. They constantly have questions. They're always processing things. And then they, they say certain things to you, and you have to watch what you say and watch what you do. I like my hip-hop music. And I like my hip-hop music, like, explicit, underrated. Like, you know, I like it. I like the cussing and everything. And I've got this little dude in the car who I'm like, ah, I can't, I can't. I can't play E-40 like I want to play. For those of you who don't know E-40, he's a Bay Area hip-hop artist from Vallejo, been in the game a long particular time. But, you know, if you were 2006, tell me when to go. All right. But back to it. <laughs> back to it. And you, gotta, like, you have to be mindful of it. But you have to be mindful because at six years old, his mind is very impressionable. At three and five years old, they pick up everything that they say. I love watching three and five-year-olds play because you know what they do? They basically just mimic what you guys do at home. So, like, understand that if you have other people watch your children and the way they are from the stages of development, they're telling on you. So they just are. They, they, they mimic everything that's happening. So if they're pretending like, oh, let's go to the store. And, you know, they'll pretend like they're going to the store and you might hear something. Because I used to watch my other nephew and he'd say, hey, uh, well, we have to stop and go to the ATM. Do we have enough money in the ATM? I'm like, wait, what is Wait, I thought we were just pretending here. I'm thinking this is a very sophisticated conversation we're having with the three to five year old. Then it just clicked to me like, oh, he's mimicking what his parents did. And, it, you know, as you get older, you realize the reason why you need to be very, very careful about what you let into little ears and little eyes is because not only will they mimic it, they'll think that that's how life is supposed to be. And so for you as parents, you guys have this wonderful job to hopefully teach them how to love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength. And you want to teach them that with everything they have because you don't want them to be like, you know, little bad people. Like you just, you you don't want that to occur. And I imagine that that's what Moses's main concern was, is that I got to remind you of where we were. I've got to remind you that like at some particular point that Israel, like as people, your, your forefathers, the people ahead of you stepped away so much that God was so upset. He had to burn a whole bunch of people. That, that at some particular point, God was so upset with all the, the ungrateful attitudes that he had to send snakes to kind of to, to, to even some things out. And it wasn't like he didn't do it. He's like, I, I can't coexist with this. And he was trying to remind them that, hey, there was a before you go into this land, before we get to where we're going, I need to kind of remind you of it. And he, then I love the fact that he's like, and I got to let you know, it's not because you're like awesome. He says, because like God is awesome. He lets them know, like, you're going to go into an area where there's Anakim. These people are bigger than you. They're tougher than you. There's, a, there's no possible way on paper that you should go into this land and take it. But when you do, remember, it's not because you're the brightest, biggest, you know, most wonderful people. It's because of the Lord your God kept a promise to Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. Then he reminds them, uh, he reminds them again, like over and over again. So sometimes in our lives, when we're going to like hit these big milestones and, and where we're at, remember where you were. Remember where you were. And I try as hard as I can to remember where I was because I think it has very serious implications. 
I think that if we're not careful about being mindful of where we're from, we will become, you become like, what's the word I was looking for? I actually had the thought earlier. We run the danger of becoming the very people we like to call our enemies, that we like to think that we're against. So I have this practice, and it's, I'm still working it out. I, I, I do this quite frequently. I try to have interactions online, but I try to take them offline. And I really try to interact with people who see the world totally, totally different from me. If you were to follow my kind of political profile leanings, I, I guess the way, um, I've tested multiple. Apparently, I'm libertarian according to these online tests, but I'm a left-leaning libertarian. So I guess I believe that you should... The government should intervene, but you should still have your gun. I don't know what that means, but, you know, like that's just kind of what it comes down to. And so I'm more moderate than anything, and I try as hard as I can uh, because I don't necessarily like some things that the current administration does, like a lot of things that the current administration does. But I know that there are people who, who really love it. And I try to sit down on purpose and have conversation face to face because just don't do it online. Not a good idea. You know, like just don't, don't do it online. Just, just you will find yourself frustrated. But I try to have face-to-face. And, and what I've come to discover and what I've come to, to, to realize is that what I think is good, they also, uh, they also think are good. See, remember your friend who's posting that I love Trump and make America great with everything they got? They really are excited. And they're like, hey, look at this. I believe that this view is good for the country that, like, that's what they believe. And you've got to imagine even some of your more conservative evangelical friends, they believe that God is operating in this way. So when they post up that particular interpretation of Scripture, followed with some type of, of article that says this, this, and this, they actually believe that's good because they're preparing for Jesus to come back in a particular way. And I've come to discover that, oh, they believe that's good. And the reason why I had to, to kind of back off and, and realize that, because I sat down with a friend recently, and we sat down for three hours. And this person and I would never get along online in regards to just the way we see things. But I sat down and talked with this person. And I discovered, you know, in my course of conversations with the person and being invited into the person's home that, the person had a newborn daughter who was about a little bit less than a year old and losing kind of sleep. And that the person had, he's a little bit, um, he's about, a, no, we're about the same age. And he's got a daughter that's going into college and he's feeling that type of anxiety there. And he's worried about how to save money for his, um, his daughter's college fund. They've got the newborn on the way and all these other things that he was worried about. And I had recognized in the course of our conversation that his particular political view was being fueled by these things that many people kind of have in common. That he was just concerned about, like, the world that his one-year-old is going to live in. He was just really concerned that the values that he had taught to his 18-year-old, who's now going to a, uh, a college that he deems to be liberal, he just worried that she's going to come back a different person. And he was just concerned as a father. And even though I'm not a father, I could just, I could kind of understand that. Now, he and I, again, vehemently disagree on a lot of stuff, but, like, there was just this understanding that, that because of where he was coming from, I could see that he was no longer this kind of evil or aggravating person online because he was just really, really concerned with 
like how the world was going to be for his children and his potential grandchildren. And I saw a deep understanding with that. Now, I, on the other hand, see things like drastically different, but because I was able to come to that understanding, what I didn't want to do was demonize or place that person in like some place that's evil. Because I had to remember, I actually thought like he thought at one particular point. See, I came to faith in Jesus in the early 2000s, and the people who were really, really influential um, on, on my faith walk were incredibly politically conservative, and I kind of bought everything hook, line, and sinker. And at some particular point, I remember thinking to myself that I could not be a Christian and hold other particular political points of view. Thank God that I have had that revelation. Thank God for Spark Church. Thank God for reading the Bible. Thank God that I'm not that person anymore. But I very much could understand where those folks are coming from. You just want an order. You just want to feel safe. But even then, I think about it on a very, very basic level. One of the reasons why I love uh, I loved being a youth pastor. I like young people, in particular, like people who were like teenagers 10 years ago, and now that they're young adults now, is because I know exactly kind of what they're going through. I know what it's like to be 21, 22, 23 years old, and either you're a fresh college graduate or you're still kind of finishing some things off, and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do next? Where is my place going to be in the world? And how do I do that with an ethic of faith? I know what it's like to be single and you really, really want to be married. And you have these great theories about what's going to be like to be married and what you're going to do with your spouse and all that other good stuff. And then you get married and you have to throw all your theories out the window. And I imagine the same thing must happen for people who are parents, too, because you had these great ideas about what it was like to be a parent. You probably have your, your uh, I mean, you, you know, you did some small things. You, you served in children's ministry. You have a wonderful pet. You've, you're doing everything to nurture those needs in you. And then one day, little human beings show up. And those little human beings show up, and they have personalities. And you had to throw all the stuff off the window. And you're, you're trying the best you can. And you really, really do love Jesus. But it's tough. But then sometimes you have that glimpse. And you remember what it was like to be five or six. You remember what it was like to not fully understand what was going on and not have a filter and ask mom why. Why does older sister get to watch this, but I can't? Why do we have to go to bed at 8 o'clock? Why this? Why that? And, and having a six-year-old around for a couple of weeks made me realize I don't like the question why. I was like, I get it. Like, I just understand it. But you, you, know, you have to understand that. And it made me think, well, because you're tired. Because someone's acting in my own best interest. And I imagine that that's what God was like. And when Moses was telling the people before he got into that land, he's like, remember, guys, is that we're not here because we're not here because we're anything special. We're here because, well, hey, God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're here because we were in 400 years of captivity and cried out and God delivered us. Where we're going is going to be an awesome place because we just spent 40 plus years in the desert. 
And I think he was, and, and I love like reading the text, I'm a tough guy, and I love how he's like telling them ahead of time, like, be strong, be courageous, love the Lord your God, because he's like, hey, you're going to go do something tough. You're about to like go occupy a land. You're going to do some things that that going to seem impossible, but you've got like God on your side, and it's going to be amazing. And then like the law, well, we're going to talk about it later in the text, so you guys should really come for the rest of Deuteronomy to see how like, well, it's really cool, but we're not going to talk about it today because we just don't have time about how he sets up laws and the reason why he sets up laws and why Israel is so much more progressive than the countries around them and about where they came from. And, oh, it's really, really unique. It's really, really awesome. We don't have time for that today. But remember, there was a before you and there's an after you. There's a current you. And where you're going, just sometimes don't forget where you came from. So while our three-year-olds are having those little temper tantrums, just remember that their brains are undeveloped and there's a lot going on with them right now. Remember that that 14 or 15-year-old who's made that dumb decision, he's going to make or she's going to make dumber decisions because, well, their underdeveloped prefrontal cortexes are just not arriving. Their executive decision-making's just not there yet. And remember when you were 14 or 15 years old, you know the only difference between us being 14 and 15 years old? I'm going to hop off my soapbox real quick. It's social media and the video camera. That's all it is. You did dumb stuff too. You know darn well you did dumb stuff. The only difference is, is that it wasn't captured on social media because we know we look at the, oh, I'm shocked that they did that. No, no, no. We were all that dumb. We were all that stupid. <laughs> we just all were, you know. And thank God that we didn't have a camera for it. So all that's to say is remember your before, remember your after, and when you get to your sexy, hey, just remember Jesus got you there. All right. <laughs> We're going to have communion, (laughs) and we're going to do this in remembrance of Jesus because we're not sexy on our own. We are who we are because God loved us and because he thought about us a while ago. And so we're going to close in communion. And uh, so as we all stand and the music begins to play, on the night our Lord and Savior was betrayed, He took bread and said, break this and do this remembrance of me. And he also drank the wine, which will represent the blood of the covenant. And he told his disciples also, do this in remembrance of me. And remember, before we got to where we are, is that there was a Savior who loved us so much that he gave the ultimate sacrifice. Let's do it in remembrance of him. In accordance with the word that was just given to us, may you be reminded once again of where you came from and be reminded of who God is then and who God is now and who God will be for us in the future.